0: Can you dial into what Jesus is saying? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, if, if, there's the big if. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. That's an incredible, incredible image, isn't it? Of the God of the universe standing at some kind of door that stands closed between you and him and says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. It's like he's polite about it. Can you hear the knock? Can you feel the knock? Can you imagine the knock? Do you want the knock? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm there. If anyone opens the door, if anyone, not special people, not just the professional Christians like myself, if anyone, anyone opens the door, I'll go in. I'll come right on in. To do what? To come in judgment. Come and point out your weaknesses to eat with you, to sit with you, to love you, to fellowship with you. You're already aware of your sin, right? I realize it becomes more obvious when the light of Jesus, I get that, but that's not what he's there for. He's there to eat with you. What an incredible, incredible concept. It also provides a critically important answer in this series of messages that Pastor Rob and I are bringing called Soul Care. And the critically important answer that it brings is is why? Why why are you telling us this stuff, Tom and Rob? Why are you guys doing this to us? Why are you talking about spiritual disciplines? Why? Why? Why are you doing this for the past six or for the six of the past seven Sundays, we've been looking at classical spiritual disciplines, and our explanation to you has been it's to give you tools to care for your soul, right? Because we want you to be spiritually healthy. We want you to encounter and experience God, not just have churches something to do on your list. But I think a fair question is, Why are you using these things, these classical spiritual disciplines? Why are you talking about, why do these provide opportunity for us to have healthy souls? Well, Pastor Rob and I were talking this week about the series and where we felt individually led to continue through the summer. And um, one of the things that we Agreed on was that we're assuming something here, and what we're assuming with you is that you are already a person of prayer, of reading your Bible, and of worship. So that these are the these are the core realities of being a disciple of Jesus Christ in this day and age. That we pray. Do you pray? I mean, not just at test time, but do you pray? You pray routinely, regularly? Are you working out a prayer life? Are you spending time in the Word of God, trying to read some of it, trying to understand some of it, inviting it to take control of your life? And are you finding ways to worship God, not just here with the songs, but worship God in the reality of your life? So we're assuming that that's a base. That's a base. And so... These other disciplines are meant to be in addition to those core practices, and uh, they're meant to actually liberate and enhance your prayer life, your Bible reading, and your worship life. So when we talk about these things, when we talk about simplicity, and when we talk about stillness and submission and sacrifice, Sabbath, and service, isn't it interesting they all start with S? Is that preachery or what? That was very convenient. There are actually more that don't start with S, but we're not going to do them because they don't start with S. Rob tried. He thought we could start one classical discipline as celebration, and he thought, well, let's just spell it with an S. And another classical spiritual discipline is fasting, and he said, well, why don't we just call it starving? <laughs> Sorry to steal your fun stuff, you know, but it's a pretty slow pitch. <laughs> but these things, you know, they're meant to be in addition to augment to 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 make healthier your prayer life, your Bible reading and your worship life. Why are they so important to the health of our souls? Let me give you a couple of answers. One because they provide a gateway to true and profound freedom. Who wants to be free? I mean, do you have stuff you'd like to be liberated from? Either stuff you got going on that you can't seem to shed, or thoughts, a perspective, an attitude that just you know is destructive to your heart. It isn't good for your soul. You want to be free from that? How about constant reminders of trauma, things that have happened to you, things visited on you, and try as hard as you can. You can't seem to get away from them and kind of not characterize yourself by them. Do you want to be free from that stuff? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Well, the spiritual disciplines provide a doorway to true freedom, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that next time, Lord willing. But what I'd like to talk about today is the second reason they bring health to your soul is because the consistent exercise of the spiritual disciplines makes room for God in your life. It makes room. It clears stuff out so that God can take his rightful place in your life. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and what? Knock. And if anyone what? Opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him, and he with me. And so the question then is, how do I open that door? How do I get that? What What's my part of opening the door, right? Do I just go... What's my part of opening the door? How do I... Since it's predicated on the fact that I have to open the door, how do I do that? It's a good question. You know... Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples in John 14. Remember when he said, in my father's house are many mansions and all that? Well, that conversation continues on, and uh, they talk about Jesus being God, and, and Judas, one of the disciples, he speaks, speaks up and he says, you know, Jesus, why are you showing your godness to us and not to everybody else? It's kind of unfair, I mean, here we have this, and we're telling people about it, but you're not validating it by showing everybody else that you're God. And so Jesus said, well, anyone who loves me, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. This was his answer. My Father will love them. In other words, you know, God the Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So he said, It's not just for you guys. It's just for you guys right now because I haven't died on the cross and risen from the dead. It's just for you guys right now, but this is going to be a lot bigger. This is going to be for anyone. One of the things that the spiritual disciplines that we talk about sometimes do is sort of categorize Christians, and you put yourself into one of two boxes. Either you're a regular Christian or you're one of those uber-Christians, right? So you're either a regular Christian who prays your prayers and reads your Bible and, 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 and worships God and helps out in the, in the children's ministry, or you're one of those people who does that and simplicity and submission and solitude and stuff like that. The reality is The invitation into the other box is to everybody. There's not supposed to be a classification. It's to everybody because of the health that they bring to your soul. So Jesus says here, you know, if you love me, you'll obey my teaching. Now look at this, look. The core of the obedience to God is what? It's love. Who said that? (laughs) <laughs> the core of the obedience relationship is that who anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. That if we concentrate not on the obedience part, the behavioral part, but on the love part, then the behavioral part comes. Anybody who loves me will obey my teaching. And then he says, my father will love them You'll be in this love relationship, and we'll come and make our home. So what is it that we're to obey? What is it that we're supposed to make some kind of conscious effort to obey in our love relationship? Is it the behavioral stuff, like don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do? Don't dance, and for God's sake, don't go to the movies, right? And if you can get this list figured out and checked off, then you're being obedient, I don't think anything could be further from the gospel than a list of rules. (laughs) I mean, I just don't know how parts of the church got there from the book. The gospel is about Jesus keeping the rules for us and us trusting in him, having a faith relationship with him, a relationship of love, being indwelt by his spirit, being indwelt by his word, and from that flows a life of obedience. Obedience to what? Not doing those things. Forget those things. Obedience to the spiritual disciplines. they all come from words of Jesus. Simplicity. Simplicity. Jesus said, "Let your yes be yes and your no be no." He says keep it simple, right? Jesus said, "If wherever your treasure is there, your heart will be also, right? Keep it simple. He said, You can't serve two masters. So, all of these spiritual disciplines are what we're being called to obey out of love for Jesus. When you do that, what you'll find, and you'll see it more next week, is you get freed from habitual sin. I mean, I can't believe I don't want to do so much of the stuff that I used to want to do. And it's not just because I'm old. That may be partly it, but God has changed me. God has changed you as you have love relationship with him. So the answer to both of these questions, how do I open the door and how do I obey the teaching of Jesus in this way, is the consistent practice of these spiritual disciplines. Simplicity, stillness, the Bible says, Be still and know that I'm God, right? Jesus said, if you're weary, come over here. How many times did he say stuff to his disciples? Come with me, come alone with me and let's get some rest. There's Sabbath. As we see these things, sacrifice and service, as we see these things, we see that as we integrate these things into the context of our love relationship with the Father, then our souls prosper. When our souls prosper, we have more authority. We have more authority. When we have more authority, we have more power over sin in our lives. And we also have power to go into like prayer rooms and stuff and pronounce healing in the name of Jesus. You with me so far? Say yes. Yes. Give me some love and it's raining out. Practicing the spiritual disciplines ultimately is something that makes room in your life for God. It just makes room. You know, we're born with a a propensity to crowd God out. That's the sin man. I want you to imagine your life as a garden plot. Your whole life is a garden plot. And what you want is God to grow in it, right? Right? Well, what do you have to get out of the plot before anything will grow? The weeds. you got to pull out the weeds. you got to churn it up, right? Knowing God, especially in the first days, is a very caustic process. Churn it up. The spiritual disciplines that we've already talked about and the ones that remain, these are things that churn up the soil of your life. I mean, when you go for simplicity instead of complexity, there's a churning, there's a yanking out of a whole bunch of stuff that you used to think was important, right? And in doing that, you provide a soil. You provide a soil for God, a good soil. Imagine your life as a giant game of risk. My boys used to play risk, and they were so much better at it than I was. They were so strategic, and they were so aggressive. And I want you to imagine your your life as a giant risk board being played by God and Satan. Now, I have some really good news, is that Satan is no match for God in in any realm. That's dualism. But there is a struggle. There is a cosmic struggle for you going on. And I would just like you to imagine that you're the risk board and you're wanting God to conquer you, right? You're wanting God to win, yes or no? Do you want God to win in your life or do you want Satan to win? Okay, then the practice of the spiritual disciplines gives God room to come and occupy the countries of your board. Does that help? I want you to imagine your life as a garage, and you want to put your car in there. <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? Come on, raise your hand. Come on. You'd like to put a car in there someday, right? But it ain't happening because it's full of... Yeah. It's full of stuff. What has to happen in order for the garage to, 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 the car to go in the garage? you got to clear it out. I want you to understand these spiritual disciplines as replacing what Satan has put in your life uh, by moving that out and giving God opportunity to come and take residence in you, to park himself in your life. That's what these spiritual disciplines are about. I mean, if you've paid any attention to the titles that Rob and I have used, you'll see that in every case, we're offering something better than what you came with. From complexity to simplicity. In every case, our titles have given you this. That you came, your standard operating equipment as a sinful human is complexity. And if the enemy can just keep you spread out with complexity... Then he he has a space in the garage, doesn't he? In every case, we're talking about a trade from turmoil to stillness. The natural state of man is to be in turmoil. But when we come and practice stillness, remember we talked about solitude and silence? When we talked about stillness, then you're trading. You're saying, God, I, I'm, I'm going to put this turmoil out to the curb, and I'm going to make a space for you to come. In every single case, from rebellion to submission, we're natural rebels, right? I'm a rebel, daddy, right? Anybody get the reference? Anybody? Two people? Pee-wee's big adventure? Okay. <laughs> we're naturally Rebels. We're naturally rebels. It is in our heart to rebel against God. And when we practice submission, as Rob taught us, then what we're saying is, I want to clear this space out. I want to make room for God. From self to sacrifice. We're naturally self-centered, right? We come into the world demanding everything, and unless something changes, that's how we go out. But when we come to Christ, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. When we do that, we make more room for God. We make more space in the garage for God. From work to Sabbath, we think we're going to fix everything by working harder, yeah? If I just work seven days, well, then I can get it all done. How well is that working out so far? Sabbath is creating space, saying, I can't do it. It doesn't matter how hard I work. I can't fix this. I'm going to just stop. Indifference to service was Rob's message last week. Just, I don't care what happens to you. That's so devilish, right? I mean, can you just hear this, the voice of Satan? I don't care. Well, I don't care if there's enough people in the children's ministry. I don't care if enough people are going to Nicaragua. I don't care. That's just the devil, right? Indifference. And service says, I do care. I am want to make space here in the garage for God to come. The consistent practice of these spiritual disciplines makes room for God. And when God comes in, you're changed. You're transformed. Yes? Yes. <laughs> How many of you turned out to be different than you were scheduled to be without God? Anybody? I know, your line went to bad places, didn't it? But God came, you had a personal encounter with God. You came in a relationship with Jesus and the line changed, the direction changed because you're being transformed, you're being changed. You're no good for this world anymore. You're being transformed. This is the essence of and, and, and the spiritual disciplines, the practice of these things we're talking about, is the mechanism of transformation. Make sense? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's read this together. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, a little louder, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, not that loud, holy and pleasing to God, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. At the center of this dynamic is a transformation that we don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but that we're transformed. Something deep inside of our hard drive, i.e. deeper, our operating system is transformed. Deep inside. There's a transformation that occurs so that we automatically behave differently. This is the key. Because the essence, listen, the essence of the Christian life is not Willpower. The essence of the Christian life is not willpower. It's transformation. It's not figuring out how you can be strong enough not to do the stuff that's on the bad list. <laughs> that's legalism. The essence of the Christian life is to have God in your life in such a way that there is a true transformation that occurs. You want to be transformed? Simplicity, stillness, submission, sacrifice, Sabbath, service, give yourself to these practices and the transformation will occur. In reality, I I just wanted to take a week to tell you this, that the spiritual disciplines are meant to bring the abundance of God into your life. They sound like you're giving something up, right? you are going against your human nature to practice them. I get that. But in doing that, you're making room for the abundance of God to come into your life. Because Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, he said. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that comes how? That comes through these things that stand in opposition, in opposition to the disciplines, to the complexity, to the turmoil, to the indifference. And that's how the enemy wants to steal the abundance of God from you. So when you say, you know what? I'm going to get serious about this. I'm going to carve out time in my life, opportunity in my life to practice these things to go into God and shut the door, then as you practice these things consistently, you turn the thing around so that the devil no longer steals from you, kills you, destroys you, but you actually open up the flow of the abundant life of God. Now, am I one of those guys that says you're going to get rich? I don't know. I don't know what it has to do with money. I have no clue. I think some people would be a lot Spiritually better off if they didn't have any money, right? So God's going to do what's going to bring abundance, true abundance, abiding abundance. But that's the plan. That's what these spiritual disciplines are meant to do, bring abundance, abundance, abundance. We're not just meant to idle, sit passively and wait for the big day. God has plans for us. You are all here for two reasons. Every one of you. You are here for two reasons. One, you want to go to heaven when you die. You're here, I mean, who doesn't want to go to heaven when you die? You're here because you believe that there's something after this. Why would you come if you didn't believe that? You're here because you know that the Bible's true. It's appointed unto every man once to die and after that the judgment, right? You get that. And you don't want to go to hell, do you? I'm real sure I don't want to go to hell. What pieces of hell I've seen here on earth, I don't want the full thing. And what glimpses of heaven I've had on this earth, I do want the whole thing. You're here because you want to go to heaven when you die. Here's how you take care of that. You take care of that by coming into authentic relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Not by being baptized. Not by taking communion. Not by carrying a thick Bible. Not by getting your behavior under control. You come, you take care of that by coming into relationship with God. By asking Jesus Christ authentically, profoundly to come in And take control of your life. Forgive you of all of your sins. Take over the direction of your life. That's one reason you're here. The second reason you're all here is you want to satisfy the internal longing that you have to know God in the here and now. Because your soul thirsts for God. Psalm 63 your body longs for God in a dry and weary land, it says, where there's no water and you're running around this life, and maybe you have come to terms with God and your eternal destiny through Jesus, praise the Lord, but it's not over, is it? It's not done, it's not enough. Great, I'm glad I don't have to think about that, but you're still hungry, you're still thirsty for something, right? You're still thirsty for God to come. These spiritual disciplines are about making room for the grace of God we've been calling it extending the borders of God's grace. Barb, do you need more or less of God's grace? I know, me too. I got areas of my heart that don't belong to God yet. I want him to take that. I want him to keep going. I'm probably the only one here, well, I guess Barb and me, i got areas of my life that aren't surrendered to God yet. I want them to take that. That's not that real bad stuff, you know, on the bad list. That's all done. Thank God, through the transformation. It's worse stuff. It's worse. Because it's relational. It's matters of the heart. I need more of God's grace, not less. I want to give you an opportunity to obviously give thought to these disciplines that we're teaching to care for your soul this summer. i give you an opportunity this morning just to say to God, I want more of your grace in my life. I want more. I want more of your grace in my life. And just invite him to come with the bulldozer to put the blade down and move about in your life to make room for more of his grace in your life. Let's stand together, church. We have some uh, prayer ministry people.